Hello, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do this morning. <laughs> um, first off, who can guess who I'm dressed up as today? This is Pastor Tim. This is his outfit. <laughs> I've never worn a collared shirt underneath my sweater in my entire life until this day. <laughs> I should have worn the cardigan. I was like debating between the two. There's two looks, but I went with this one. Unfortunately, Tim, you, you did the cardigan today, so we couldn't match. Thank you so much. Yeah, and the funny thing is, Devin looked at me. She's like, I love your outfit. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, on that note, I, I feel... I don't know, I, this morning I feel just immersed in Christ. If there's any, if there was language that I could put to what I'm feeling, like if you could look at my hand, it's still quite shaky. Um, and I have, I have a sermon prepared here, um, but we're going to see if we get to it, I think, which has happened a few times if you know me. Um, and so I, I really just felt like as, as we were worshiping, I was, I was looking back on moments of my life where I'd seen just major breakthrough in people's lives around me. And just like very random, specific testimonies and things that I'd seen in my life were popping into my mind, and I was like going over them. And as I was immersing myself in those stories again, I was just getting impacted by God again, as if it was like the first time. And so I, I, I just want to share a couple stories. And I've, I've shared maybe one of these two stories that are on my heart right now in the past when it first happened um, but that was probably about two years ago. So some of you may be familiar, some of you not. But um, I was reminded of a, actually the, a 403 rally about two years ago. And if you don't know what those are, 403 rallies, it's just a bunch of churches gathered together and we held a service with each other. So there's 30, 40 different churches represented there. <clears throat> really beautiful moments. Um, and specifically on this one, I remember my friend from Bethel actually came and spoke, Dante. Um, we went to school together at the school of ministry down there. And so he, he's, there was the worship, he spoke, and then there was like a time of healing afterwards. Um, and it was actually specifically for physical healing. And so, you know, if someone needed physical healing in their body, all the kids would put up their hands, and then kids would gather around them and pray for them, and we were, we were seeing cool things happen. And so this girl, had, this girl, I didn't know her at all. She was from a different youth group. Um, she was standing there with what I'm assuming was her youth leader, and she had her hand up. And so I went over, and there was like probably 10 other kids that came over were asking her what was wrong. And um, she said, she said, she didn't even specify, I don't think. I don't remember it for sure, but she didn't specify what she needed healing for. But I, right as I came up to her, I could just sense such a brokenness and a, just a heaviness that this girl was holding. And I knew that this wasn't just like, a, I'm going to pray for her knee and she's going to be healed moment. And um, even though those are great. And so there's this group around us and we're asking her what she needs prayer for. And so it, immediately I knew that this was a really intimate moment and I didn't want to create a spectacle out of this. And so I did, you know, okay, let's pray for her knee, whatever. We prayed for her. Oh, cool. It feels better. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And so that the kids kind of, you know, went on their way. And then myself and two other leaders stood behind, stayed behind, and I was like, hey, what's really going on? And she's like, I, I don't want to live anymore. And she said, 
I, have, I hear these voices all the time, and they're always telling me to kill myself. They're always telling me that I'm worthless. They're always telling me that I'm garbage. And she's just sitting there, and she's not, she, her head is just down as she's sharing this story that is just so heartbreaking. She can't even look at, she can't look up. She's filled with shame, filled with guilt. And so I'm like, okay, well, we're going to pray for you if that's okay. She's like, sure. You know, no hope, no, there wasn't a spark behind those eyes. And so we prayed for her, and I, I said, what's, so are you experiencing anything that's happening? And she's like, the voices are getting louder. And they're telling me that I'm, I'm, I'm not worth anything, that I should just end my life. And I say, okay, you need to understand what is, who is talking to you right now, and it's the accuser. So what you, we need to do is I want you to say specifically what it's saying to you, and we're going to pray the exact opposite of what, that, what is, that is over your life. So she would say, it's saying right now that I need to kill myself. And I'm saying that the accuser is saying you need to kill yourself, but God is saying he, want, he values your life so much that you are so worthy. And she's saying, I, I'm, I'm ugly. I'm not attractive. And I'm saying, God is saying, I am saying that you are beautiful, that you are worthy of a love that you can't understand. And as I'm saying these things, um, she just kind of collapses to the ground. And in this moment, she... she she raises her hands up in worship and they were at her, at her side the whole time that we were praying. And then she stands up quickly and she looks at me in the eyes and she said, the voices are gone. And she started to just worship and she was just weeping under the power of God. And it was like one of those things that I will never forget. And I remember Danielle was there right after that happened. And I was just, I literally, I walked back to a chair and I sat down and I just wept. Um, and it wasn't that I had that breakthrough, but it was seeing the transformational power of God in such a tangible moment that absolutely wrecked my life. And it was just an instant. It was, it was, it was a prayer. It was a reversing what the accuser was telling her. It was, no, that is a lie. Straight from the depths of hell. That is not who you are. And the breakthrough was so tangible. And like the light in her eyes returned. And that's the only way I can describe it. Like, when you see transformation, I can only use my words so much. I can only say with my primitive language what it felt like to me. But when you experience it, it changes you. And then I'm reminded of another story. And when I was at ministry school in my third year, I was an intern. So essentially, I would help pastor some of the first-year students. So I had, personally, I had 10 to 12 boys who I was there in their specific intern. And so we would have pastoral meetings. We would go through how they were doing during the week. I would have weekly meetings with them. And they were, their ages were ranging from 18 to 50 years old, from single to married with kids, from um, people who used to be pastors, you know, wide range. And so uh, the, one, the one guy that I was his intern, he was a guy from Switzerland, and he was married. Um, and I just, I honestly don't know how he even got married because he had no concept for what love was. And so every week we would meet with him and I'd be like, hey, wh what are some things that you're grateful for this week? And every single week he would say, I don't know, nothing. What are some things that you feel loved in? I don't know. How are you loving your wife? I don't know. And so the course of this year was nine months that we were there. And so month after month after month, it felt like I was just punching against a brick wall. But we knew he, he, we knew he was supposed to be there. 
And so week after week, we're investing in him. We're loving him where he's at. We're not, trying to ex- we're not expecting him to be somewhere he's not. But at the same time, we're pushing him forward and we're loving him in the midst of where he is. And then I remember we went on uh, our missions trip to Los Angeles and all the students went, but he stayed behind because we just, we were like, you, we can't have you praying for anyone because you just, you don't even know what love looks like. Like we, we just can't trust you in that position of power. And so he stayed behind. And this was near the end of the school year. And I remember we were like, okay, I, I, he's not even coming to missions. Maybe this hasn't worked. <laughs> Maybe we haven't gotten the breakthrough that we've been looking for. And I remember the day, the day that we went back to classes after our missions trip, I walked into the school and I saw him and he came sprinting towards me. And I looked at him, I'm like, what happened to you? And his, all I can say is that there was a life in his eyes that I'd never seen before. And he said, Cody, I had a dream and Jesus met me in a dream. And he told me everything that I, every, he broke off everything that I've been dealing with for these last few years and I feel alive for the first time. And I love my wife for the first time. And I say, his name was Loic. I say, what, what are you thankful for? And he started to list off the things that he was thankful for in his life. One, two, three, ten, twenty different things. And it was this moment. And it, I, I'd been hitting a brick wall this whole time. But all it took was a moment. All it took was a dream. All it took was a second. And God crashed in into his life. And I didn't do anything. <laughs> And so this morning, I was, as we were worshiping, I'm reminded of these messages, of these testimonies, of these stories, of these transformations that I've seen in my life and the people in my life. These kairos moment, the Greek word, the, an opportune time, the opportune time, the pivotal moment where something shifts. And I couldn't help but think that there are those of us in here this morning where we're waiting for our kairos moment. Those of us that are here and maybe we're watching online, we're waiting for our Kairos moment. God, where are you? It feels like I've been punching this brick wall year after year, decade after decade. I can see my imprint of my hand on this wall, but it's not shifting, it's not moving. You don't know the garbage that I'm dealing with, Cody. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know how badly I've been hurt, how badly the church has hurt me, how badly my friends, my family have hurt me. And I'm hitting a brick wall. Where is my moment? And then in this moment, I just feel as though I'm just immersed in Christ. I'm hidden with him. And his presence just comes in. And so right now, this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come. Not that you're absent and somewhere else and you need to come into the room, but God, would we be made aware of you? Would we be made aware of the close proximity that you have to our hearts? And God, I just create a space and a time for you to move this morning. And that can happen in an instant, and that instant can be right now. That instant might be in a year. I don't know. I wish I did. I really wish I did. I wish I could tell you when that is going to be, but I can't. But I can tell you that I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in people's lives around me. So I know that it's possible for you, for me, for your family, for your friends, for your neighbor, for your coworker, for your fellow student. It's possible. And so God, this morning, we just recalibrate our hearts to be aware that you can still move. 
And maybe we've been caught up in the routine of this is just my life. I've accepted this as my story. But God wants to rewrite our story. So God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are healer, that you are, you are the one whom I desire. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I guess we'll go into it a little bit now, but if you want to stay in that moment, stay in that moment. If that was for you, stay there. Don't Stop listening to me. Listen to God right now. And I'm reminded of this quote by, it's a man, Richard Rohr. He says, there are two ways of being a prophet. One is to tell the enslaved that they can be free. It is the difficult path of Moses. The second is to tell those who think they are free that they are in fact enslaved. This is the even more difficult path of Jesus. And there, there, there are some of us in here, and, the, and, and there's probably areas of my life where I think I'm free. I think I've got it all together. I've got the answer. It's right here. But in reality, there's so much more freedom that's available to me. There's so much more freedom that's available to you this morning. So whether you're enslaved and you're trying to get free, the path of Moses, or you're free, you feel as though you're free, but you're actually in reality enslaved by something, the path of Jesus my hope and desire is that there are words that can speak to you this morning. And oftentimes it can be tempting for me to just come up and preach a message that's just, it's giddy, it's easy. You know, Jesus, he loves you. There you go, go on in your, in your week. And we hear it so often, and, and it's true, it's a reality. But it can be so easy to just take the easy route. And if you've been around in this environment for a little bit and you've heard me speak a few times, you know that sometimes I like to push the boundaries. <laughs> Always. Go to, you've never preached an easy sermon. What are you talking about? Um, I'm reminded of this quote that I, I listened to on a podcast last week. It says, Offending no one on the pulpit virtually guarantees that you will also inspire no one because mediocrity is the devil's bargain. And so I know for a fact that there are those of you in here who have been offended by some things that I've said, whether that's today or whether that's a sermon in the past or just a conversation. Um, and that's not to say that I haven't made mistakes. That's not to say that I've haven't changed the way I view things that I even spoke on two, three years ago. But my heart is to inspire. And that's what I believe the, the role of someone who is teaching, of someone who is preaching, is to inspire. And in the midst of that, you're going to offend people along the way. That's the reality of it. Um, and that's a reality that I'm okay with taking on. And so this morning, I'm going to go after a few things and some of you may not like it, and that's okay. I love you. <laughs> and if you, if you know me, you know that I, I, 
the tension of disagreement is something that I'm very okay with. And so this morning, I, I want to talk about some, there's some areas that as a church we have really, really failed in. And I think that's probably not news to most of you in here. If you've been a part of it for a while, or if you've turned on your television or listened to the controversies that are happening within the media, whenever, wherever. But my heart is, if you were to say, Cody, what is the group of people that you feel called to? Because I think a lot of us, we have a call to a specific group, whether that be entrepreneurs or the homeless population or uh, the sports, the athletics, the entertainment. And if you were to ask me what that group of people is, it would be the people who have been hurt by the church. People who have experienced trauma in a Christian, in a church environment. Those are my people. Those that have questions and they, they're looking for answers and they're asking the hard things, which as a millennial, I can tell you that we're all doing it, whether we're outward in saying it or not. We're asking the hard questions. We're asking, why is this the way that it is? And oftentimes, I've experienced, and I'm sure a lot of us have experienced, the church just saying, that's just the way it is. Hey, Stop asking those questions. Those are scary questions to ask. Hey, stop reading that philosophy book. Hey, stop reading that book that, that might challenge you in certain ways. Let's just, let's, just, let's just listen and read and only go after things that we agree with here. Stop asking those questions. And unfortunately, the church in this and oftentimes the heart is great and pure, and sometimes the heart is not great and it's not pure. But we've suppressed the questions. We've suppressed those who are asking. We've suppressed those who, they're just looking for different avenues of experiencing God. But we say, that's not God. You need to be quiet or you need to get out. Hey, you need to conform to the way that I think of God to be like. You need to conform to the way that Tim views God. And if you're asking questions that are, that are not on the you need that, to get out. Just, maybe another church is better for you. Hey, you need to and conform to the way that I think of God to be like. That it looks, you need to conform no to the way that Tim views God. Whether that be a liberal church, a conservative church, a church that has this practice, this denomination. Hey, let's gather all of us that think the same way together so that we can just be safe and comfortable. That's why we have 40,000 plus denominations is because people want to be comfortable. Even as early as two weeks ago, I was at a service here in Calgary and the, there was a guest speaker who was speaking and he was talking about specifically young people and the young people that are asking questions. And he's like, you know, they're going and they're reading these other books and they're asking these hard questions, but they're, in reality, they're just reading garbage. And this is something that he said. He said, let me quote for you. I have another word for deconstruction, and that's backsliding. And instantly in my heart, I felt disgusted. And I felt sick, and I haven't felt that way in a very long time based on what, like some, a sermon that I've heard. And I couldn't help but think of those who may have been in the crowd. There was a hun hundreds of people there who would identify as someone who is deconstructing. They're, they're, they're ripping up things in their life that they feel like is not supposed to be there anymore. 
They're asking questions that have been really hard to, that for their church to answer, but they're actually really healthy and they bring intimacy. They're stirring things up because they're not okay with the status quo. They're not okay with, with the ABC tier list of church. So they're asking these questions and then they're hearing from a pulpit, hey, that's you backsliding. Hey, your faith is wavering. When you start asking questions, that's not okay. That's not good. You need to stay in your lane. Listen to me. Listen to the pastor. Listen to me on the pedestal. I know so much more than you. I don't. The more that I find out, the more that I learn about God, the more that I study different things, the less I know I know. The more I, I, I begin to accept the divine mystery of this world that we find ourselves in. And so for, for me, my heart goes out to that group of people. And you may be that person this morning. You may not be that person. But as a collective and individually, it is our responsibility to bring healing to the trauma that the church has caused people. You may not have personally done it to someone. You may not have personally hurt someone. You may not have personally been that person when they think of church or bad Christianity that your face comes into their mind. However, it is our responsibility to bring healing. And that's not just, that's not so we can get them back in church and we can get them to be like sheep again and they can just start following the way that they once did. No, that's going into the dirt and their story and being in the story with them. It's not polishing over things that we think are dirty and aren't deserving. It's, it's being with these people in the midst of their story, in the midst of their trauma, and listening. And asking the hard questions with them. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18.21. And we've, I've experienced a lot of death recently from the tongue. Every time I open up this, I experience death over and over and over and over again on social media. You can't post anything. You can post a, an article about sports, an article about something that is objectively has nothing to do with anything, and there's going to be arguments and hatred that is just spewing in the comments from every side. And <laughs> when I'm, I'm thinking of these questions, I can't, just, I can't but help think of the disciple Thomas. And if I was to relate to any of the disciples myself the most, it would probably be Thomas. Doubting Thomas, he is called. In John 20, 26 to 28, this is the story. Jesus has died. And then this, this, the rumors are starting that he's been resurrected. It says, a week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So just imagine that. The doors are locked. There's no way to get in. Jesus is just there. He's kind of, maybe he's just walked through the wall. Who knows what he's done, but he's there. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And then Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, and I I looked, I, I, this image was so powerful. It's called the incredulity, incredulity, dual, incredulity, incredulity of St. Thomas by Caravaggio. If we have that on the screen. Um, this, was, this was painted in the 1600s, but it's just the, the picture of Thomas 
and he's putting his finger in the side of Jesus. And for me, that is something so powerful where he's like, you know what? I need to see something of power. I need to see love in action in order to believe it. I need to actually put my hands in the wounds of Jesus to believe something here. And that is something that on whatever scale we are experiencing en masse today. Hey, I actually need to see the love that you guys have for one another before I start believing in this thing again. Hey, I need to actually see you start asking the hard questions that I've been asking and not just hiding behind blanket answers. I need to, I need to put my finger in the side, so to speak. And the thing is, is Jesus is so willing to do it. Reach out, put your hand in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And we can read that as, as a condemnation based on the text. Do not doubt, but believe. But I believe it. Don't doubt, but believe. Like there's a smile on Jesus' face. There's an invitation for him to come and experience something. Speaking of questions that I have, <laughs> um, I've shared this story before, but I, I did a ministry kind of thing at a New Age festival a few years ago. So me and my friend, we set up a booth and we had a, it was called Doxa Healing, which is Greek for glory. And we did presence healing. We did dream interpretations. We did all these things. We weren't, we didn't talk about Jesus on the, the, the banner that we had, nothing about God. We just wanted people to come and experience God without any baggage, without anything. And so we, we, we had the craziest tent beside us of the whole market. They were doing all kinds of stuff that I still don't understand. Angel readings and, and Tibetan bowls and Reiki healing and all that stuff. And they had three psychics. Who, it was their full-time job who were doing this. So this, they were pretty immersed in this culture. And um, we were there for the weekend. On the last day, uh, the main lady who worked there, she came up and she looked over our... We had a little thing written up where it's like, we're not asking for any money. If you want to make donations, you can. It's just going to continue, help us continue doing this in the future. And then she looked at us. She looked at the sign. She says, you guys are part of a church or something? We had nothing written about that anywhere. Um, and I said, actually, yeah, we are. But we just feel like especially this community has been really hurt by church and by Christians. And so we don't want to bring any of that baggage. We, don't want to, we just want to experience the love of a God who loves you. And she's like, okay. So she, and then she just walked away. And then about 30 minutes later, she came back. She's like, okay, can I get like a, can I have a, a presence healing or a spiritual reading from you? I was like, sure, come on in. And so I would lead them into this encounter where I wouldn't have any parameters for what it looks like. I want you to just imagine a peaceful place with God and I'm going to let you do the rest. And so I lead her through this thing and she, she looks up and she says, Using all her language, oh, my chakra is so aligned. I felt power surge through me from the top of my head down. And she's like, this is, this is, this is powerful. And I said, I looked at her. I said, I'm so sorry for how the church has hurted you. And I didn't know, but I felt this prompting in my spirit. And I, I want you to know that God is so in love with you. And I'm sorry, especially for the Christians that were really close to you, because I feel like you came from a church family that hurts you very badly in a very dark time in your life. And she began to just weep. And she said, I used to be a Christian. I was raised in the church. And then I was diagnosed with an illness and I didn't find any of my Christian friends were cut, came to help me. They all abandoned me. 
And then I found this community, this new age community, and they took me as I was and they loved me where I was at. And then, so I just started to speak healing over her life and she's weeping. And then she's like, can I give you a word? And automatically, I'm not going to lie, there was hesitation in me. But I said, you know what? Yeah, you can. And she started to talk about, hey, I just view you as this, this Thomas and that you have, you've been gifted with this gift of doubt but it's actually brought you intimacy with God. And she gave me one of the most accurate prophetic words I've ever gotten in my life. And on the surface, we would love to say, no, like that's from the devil. You know, get that away from, but God spoke to me through this psychic at a new age fair. And then shortly after, uh, one, of, one of the other ladies came over and she's like, hey, um, you just gave a reading to my friend and I've never seen her cry before and she was weeping. Can I get a reading too? And so she came in, and we, we, we loved her. We, we, we admonished her. We prayed for her. But all that to say is sometimes God moves in ways that we can't, we can't conceive. And so living the gospel. Cody, where are you going with this? If everyone in this room lived the gospel fully, this world would be transformed. Hey, if, if we all actually took the reality of the words that have been spoken throughout the, this six, seven-week series and lived it out fully, your friend circles, your coworkers, the, everyone you would come into contact with would be changed. Okay, but it hasn't happened, right? So there's a disconnect. There's something that is happening where it is, we hear words spoken, we, we have conversations, and we say, yeah, that's good. I agree with that. I like the sounds of that but it actually doesn't cause any transformation of our heart to live a different way. And so my goal this morning is to inspire us to actually take a step back and analyze why that is. Because let me tell you something, you can't actually live the gospel and have the people transformed around you if you've dehumanized that person down to a concept or a belief system. Right away, once we, once we put a word on someone, you're this, you're that. This is the baggage I'm going to bring with that word. Oh, you're, you're just a victim. Automatically, you bring all of the, the victims you may have experienced in the past and you've laid that burden on that person and you've actually restricted them from being loved fully by you. The moment someone stops being a person created by God and they become a word we use to clump people together, we need to start over. And sometimes starting over, you've made this progress and it, it, the end goal is right here and you've come so far and you're loving people so well, but then you, you clump them together again. You use a word. It's time to start over. And sometimes it's just a step in. It's time to start over. Sometimes you don't even take a step. You're not even willing to take a step in healing and wholeness and, and loving and transforming people just because of a word that you've placed on their life. Galatians 3.28, one of my favorite verses, there's no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. 
Paul is, he's coming and he's trying to divide these lines that, that in that context the culture had created. These are the, these are the lines. Are you a Jew or are you a Greek? Are you a male or a female? This is based on what these things is going to base how I love you. If you're a male, you're worthy of more love than a female in this time. If you're a Jew and I'm a Jew, I'm going to love you more than a Greek. If you're a Greek and I'm a Greek, I'm going to love you more than a Jew. Are you a slave? Oh, I'm not going to, I have no time for you. Or are you free? It's, it's these divisions that we've created. And to think that we're past male, female, Jew, Greek. No, let's modernize this. Or we look at the, the climax of a group that has been ostracized by the Jewish people, the Samaritans. And they say, no, that's, that's the group that we're not loving. They're, they're, def, they're defaming our God. They're worshiping him in a place that they're not supposed to worship him in. They're not worthy of love. But Jesus somehow finds ways to, to, to take these lines and strip them away. As we read about in the parable of the Good Samaritan, he uses the, the word that people have used to bring baggage against someone to restrict their love. And he uses that word to actually be a gate for them to be loved fully. So what does this look like today? When a person becomes a socialist or a capitalist or a communist... When a person becomes a right-winged or a left-winged heretic. When someone becomes unvaxxed or vaccinated. Liberal, conservative, NDP, or People's Party. When someone becomes LGBTQ or heterosexual. When a person becomes Pentecostal, a Mennonite, a Mormon, or a New Ager. When someone becomes rich or poor. Or fill in the blank for your life. oh, they identify with that group of people? No, I, I'm not going to love them very well. I don't agree with them at all. We've reduced them down to a word that carries the baggage of our experience. And as a church, we've done really, really bad at this. It's us in here versus them out there. It's us as a Pentecostal church versus this other church that is more conservative. We've got it figured out. It, it only took 2,000 years for the Pentecostals to get it all right. <laughs> but we finally got it. It just took a little bit of time. And I believe that a large part of these words, these baggages that we carry, it's based on experience, yes, but it's also a huge part of it has to do with the media that we consume every single day. We like to identify with certain groups and any other group and we surround ourselves with them. Oh, hey, I just, I'm going to have a conversation with this person. Hey, I really like what you're saying. Like, let's be friends. Hey, you're lots of fun. You love to disc golf too? Wow, let's be friends. You're like me. Oh, you have this political leniency? You're like me. Let's be friends. And we surround ourselves with those that agree with us over and over and over again. And anyone with a different idea or thought that is different than our group that we're with is automatically viewed as an attack against us. They just have an agenda to rip us apart. Agenda this, agenda that, left wing, right wing. Hey, we're not, call, we're not called to be that way. 
Alan Jacobs, he's a professor of humanities at Baylor University. He puts it like this. But when people's values are shaped by the media they consume rather than by their religious leaders and communities, that has consequences. What all those media want is engagement. And engagement is most reliably driven by anger and hatred, Jacobs argued. They make bank when we hate each other. And so the, that hatred migrates into the church, with, which often doesn't have the resources to resist it. The real miracle here is that even so, in the mercy of God, many people do find their way to places of real love of God and neighbor. It's ironic in the Hebrew scriptures when we look up the word Satan. So obviously, a lot, most of us are familiar with that word. He is the, the antithesis, of, antithesis of God. He's the one who has come against God. But in Hebrew, the word Satan just means accuser. And it actually can be used for anyone. When you add the... Uh, it's called an imperative onto it called Hasatan. That's when it's actually directly talking about the Satan that we know so well in church communities. But I find it ironic how a lot of the actions of the church and of us have become actions of Satan. We accuse. Oftentimes we view like satanic things as, you know, your rituals where you're, you're burning things and you're sacrificing babies. And I don't know why, but again, this is a media thing where this is what Satanism looks like. But to actually act in the way of Satan is to accuse. And it's something that all of us have done in this room. We accuse, we steal, we hurt, we lash out, we get offended. So this morning, it's time that we become aware of what we're doing wrong and we begin to live the gospel. Let's let go of bitterness that we've created in our hearts for groups of people. What, if an outsider was to peer in on your conversations with your closest friends, if an outsider was to look at all of your social media and browse and peruse through everything... Would they say that this person is living in love and living the gospel, or would they say that this person is just accusing others of things all the time? And this sermon is to me as well. This is not at you. This is us. A lot of you are willing to die on a hill that will cause you to never love the one who maybe is God is calling you to. This is the hill I die on. There's no way that I'm called to these people. There's no way that I'm going to love these people. Fill in the blank for whatever that is. Everyone in here is a different person and a different group. But maybe that, those are the people God is calling you to love the most in this season of your life. Spicy, right? Edgy. And we hear it all the time. There's beauty and diversity. And I've spoken it, Tim has spoken it, we, we have conversations about it all the time at CLA. There's beauty in diversity. There's beauty in difference of thought. Yes, there is. But there's an individual and a collective responsibility of us to actually truly believe that. And to be okay with that. Like, are you okay with the person across the room not believing this part about yourself? Or not having this leniency that you have? Or being this word that you have actually dehumanized? Are you actually okay with that? 
Because if you're not, there needs to be an assessment of your heart and a conviction that comes where it says, you know what, I'm actually called to love every single person that's in this room, every single person that's outside of this room. That's when we're actually going to begin to see the church have influence again and actually be a place where people want to be. is when there's a community where it's like, you know what? From a board level to a staff level to a volunteer and a congregation level, hey, there's a group of people here. They all think very differently, but they all love each other so well. If that is the community and the environment and atmosphere that you experience when you come into a place, people are not gonna go anywhere. (laughs) They're not gonna gonna come one week and never come again. Like there's gonna be something there where it's like, there's something that's so different than what's happening in the world around us. There's something so different than the media that I'm consuming every day. It's against the culture, it's counterculture. With everything that I am, I want CLA to be this place. But unfortunately, I can't control it. Tim can't control it. We can't control it individually. It needs to be a collective effort. It needs to be us saying, you know what? I've messed up. I have bitterness in my heart towards these people. And maybe these are the people God is calling me to love. But you know what? I'm going to start taking some steps towards healing. And we, when we take these steps towards healing, it's funny because oftentimes we're leaving the chains that have once bound us behind as well. The ministry of Jesus is to, to set the people free that they feel as though they're free, but they're enslaved in reality. And so as we begin to move in the ways of love, in the ways of Jesus, and living the gospel, the shackles, the chains, the things that hold us back, the things that say, you know what, I'm just gonna, my love is going to be really preferential. I prefer to love these people. God, just call me to ministry to this specific group of people. We're going to be good. It's going to be an easy life. I'm sorry, but that doesn't work that way. And I'm sure that Jesus had people that irritated him in his ministry. When you have a group of 12 men who probably have very different personality types, there are going to be some that irritate you at times. But he loved them selflessly and he called them to follow him specifically. So God, this morning I pray for everyone who's in here. I know this is a a hot message. But God, would, would, would your love be at the forefront of every word that was spoken? God, if I said things that were a mistake, that were not meant to be, would they just fall away? God, I am just a, I am just a vessel that makes mistakes. No, I'm nowhere near perfect. But I, I humbly and I come to you and I say, God, I don't want my love to be preferential. I want to relinquish that. God, I don't want to hate that group of people anymore. That's actually just taxing on me emotionally, physically, spiritually. I don't, I don't want to hold on to that bitterness any longer. I don't want to spend my energy being against something when I could be for something. When I can be for a movement of the kingdom of heaven on this planet, a kingdom that brings wholeness and renewal and freedom. I want to be a part of that, God. Let me exert all of my energy and efforts into that. 
Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're 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 so graceful as well. This isn't a this isn't a condemnation at all. This is a hey, we can start moving in this direction. We're not going to have it all figured out after this sermon or after this week or after this year. But let's move in the direction of the way of God. We thank you for the process. We thank you for the journey, the adventure that you've called us all on, and it looks different for every one of us but we just pray that we would be yielded to your spirit and we would move when you move and we would speak when you speak and think the way that you think. God, would we even, some of us, be convicted to delete social media for a while? If it's something that is bringing just toxicity and and harm to us and those around us, let's just get off of there. Let's put our eyes on you. God, I just thank you. I just thank you that I get to do life with you. I thank you that I thank you for Kairos moments as well, God. We haven't forgotten about that. I thank you for moments where you can come in and you can just rip something off that doesn't need to be there. You can prune us, God, or you can add something that is missing. I thank you for all the ways that I've seen you move in my own life and in the, in the lives of the people around me. I just, and I'm so grateful that you're gonna continue to do that. I just bless you. I thank you for who you are, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can feel free to stay in this place. You can feel free to go outside and have conversations. You can feel free to ask for forgiveness to someone that maybe you have dehumanized. Whether that's in the church, whether that's a message you need to send, a call you need to make. Hey, let's let's put it to action. Let's not let it just be words. So I bless you all in that in Jesus' name.